Welcome to the documentary from the BBC World Service, where we report the world, however difficult the issue, however hard to reach. Podcasts from the BBC World Service are supported by advertising. In a digital world that demands your attention, it can be challenging to build your own worldview. The Financial Times brings you rigorous and independent global journalism so you can see more angles and find time to think for yourself. Don't jump to conclusions. Read to them instead. Fearlessly Pink. Financial Times. Read more at ft.com slash fearless. Leute, habt ihr Bock darauf, eure Versicherung in den Griff zu kriegen und dafür 30 Euro Shopping-Gutschein abzustauben? Hier ist übrigens Tara vom Podcast Tara sagt was und ich sage euch, ladet euch die Clark-App runter und nutzt bei der Anmeldung mein Code Tara sagt Clark. Alles groß und zusammengeschrieben. Da kriegt ihr nicht nur eure Verträge gecheckt, sondern ihr könnt euch auch kostenlos und unabhängig von den Expertinnen beraten lassen. Also probiert Clark aus und holt euch den 30 Euro Shopping-Gutschein für Ikea, Amazon und Co. mit dem Code Tara sagt Clark. In 1969, a plan to show support for an anti-racism protest turned the lives of 14 promising black student-athletes upside down. Amazing Sports Stories from the BBC World Service tells their story. Search for Amazing Sports Stories wherever you get your BBC podcasts. You're listening to the documentary from the BBC World Service. I'm Nikos Papanikolaou and welcome to my hometown, Athens, the capital of Greece. I'm in the city center and I'm surrounded by tourists who have come here to see the city's ancient monuments and because of its history as the birthplace of democracy. But I'm here for a less democratic reason. Greece is becoming a much more difficult place for journalists like me to work freely. Over the last few years there has been a series of scandals and there hasn't been much progress in investigating them. With court hearings due in the next few days, Athens, where most of Greek politics and the media are based, is the place to be. I'll be your guide around the city, and I hope you'll join me as I investigate an extraordinary tale of spying, murder, and people who use reporting stories being at the very center of them. And there is no more extraordinary story to start with than this one. I am Thanasis Koukakis, a Greek financial and banking editor, working for uh, domestic media in Greece and having active collaboration with big foreign media like Financial Times and CNBC. Back in 2020, Thanasis was working on a number of stories with the Financial Times, a major London-based newspaper. He began to notice something strange. My mobile phone started to act uh, in a bizarre way. The battery was overfatigued and ran off rapidly. It was overheating. And the most strange thing was that when I called someone, there was no any ring. They went directly in the line. So I changed my battery, but despite that, and the service that I did to my phone, the same things was happening. One of his journalist friends really struggled to get in touch with Anasis, 
And when eventually he did, he made a suggestion which changed everything. He told me that I have to check whether I was under surveillance. I did tell you this is an extraordinary story. I use a source of mine. He came back after two weeks. And he confirmed the fact that was under surveillance for the Greek National Security Agency. I have to be honest with you. At the very beginning, I didn't believe him. No wonder. Before I started reporting this story, I'm not sure I would have believed it either. Anyway, Thanasis asked his friend for evidence of this incredible claim. And a month later, he got his reply. He showed me a photograph of two transcripts conversations that I had back in the beginning of June of 2020, those two conversations, I was able to recognize them because uh, the one was the, with Kevin Hope. That was his colleague at the Financial Times. And the other was with like, an academic professor. Both of those conversations occurred when I was waiting for my daughter outside her school. And the transcripts had comments on them. One of those comments said we cannot really understand the phrase because of the children's voices. Thanasis decided to contact the Hellenic Authority for Communication, Security and Privacy, an independent body which, after a request, is supposed to confirm whether the person, in this case Thanasis, is under surveillance. But his request only set in train a series of even more astonishing events. They replied back that under the current legislation, we cannot say that there is something wrong with your telecommunications. That wording, under the current legislation, is critical. Because between Thanasis' complaint and the reply from the authority, the legislation had been amended. Through this amendment... The Greek government prohibited the authority to provide any information to individuals that had been under surveillance for national security reasons about their surveillance, and they did it retrospectively. After the revelation of of my surveillance, the July of uh, 2022, I filed the official complaint to the European Court of Human Rights. If you're tapping your device, thinking you might have tuned into a spy story, you're not completely wrong. I'm Nikos Papanikolaou, and you're listening to Reporting Greece from BBC World Service. I'm looking at how media freedom here in Greece is under real pressure. And I'll come back to Thanasis and his battle with the government over that new law later on. But it turns out Thanasis wasn't the only journalist had been placed under surveillance. My name is Stavros Malikoudis and I'm the editor-in-chief of Solomon, which is a small investigative Greek outlet. Stavros mostly covers migration-related stories and how the Greek government has been dealing with the tens of thousands of migrants who arrive in the country every year. His involvement in this story started one lazy weekend back in 2021. I wake up in the morning... I make coffee, Greek coffee. I'm just, you know, lazy at my laptop, like looking on Facebook. And I see that the Facebook user has uploaded some screenshots. And the post said that these are internal messages by the National Intelligence Agency. And I just start reading them out of curiosity, like, oh, what is this? And then I see this 
message which looks very familiar. It refers to this journalist who is covering migration and he has learned about this boy who is on the island of Kos. I really couldn't believe it. I was like, no, it doesn't. It can't be about me. Just like the Nazis, Stavros says initial disbelief was soon followed by a call from a friend. I think on the next day, I received a call from the colleague who had written the, the article. It's like, hey, hello, how are you doing? Uh, yes, it's about you. From my side, it was something that seemed, ah, okay, they are spying on us, like, whoa, fun, whatever. I didn't really feel how big it is. So for the first day or, or for the first two days, it was quite okay. I started personally to realize the level of this in the days that followed. Because this is when you realize that you're a journalist and you have to protect your sources and your sources have been exposed. You had no idea that without knowing, without intention, you have exposed your sources. You don't know how this affects your personal life, like your communication with your parents, with your friends. And as days go by, this is when you start to realize more. Sitting in the Athens National Garden, just a stone's throw from the Greek parliament, Stavros reflects on how the scandal has affected journalism in Greece. People are very concerned. At Solomon we had to leave our office because we didn't feel safe for us and for our sources. People are more hesitant to, you know, to talk on the phone. It has brought some level of a more qualified operation on the day-to-day tasks. But I think, again, like on the psychological level, that it has been very traumatizing for a lot of people. That trauma wasn't felt equally but disproportionately by independent journalists who were more likely to investigate the government. Another of those was Nicolas Leodopoulos, a key figure in this whole story. I went to visit him a short walk away in a different neighborhood of Athens. I'm Nicolas Leodopoulos. I'm a Greek journalist based in Athens, Greece. I'm a co-founder of Reporters United, which is a small but very independent investigative journalism outlet. Nicolas was the first person Stavros called when he saw that story about himself in the newspaper. And he helped break the story of Thanasis Koukakis being under surveillance by the National Intelligence Agency. While we are about to publish the story... A competitor publishes a big scoop saying that the same guy, Koukakis, was being spied with illegal spyware, with Predator. And at this point we are extremely frustrated because we lose the scoop, but at the same time we realize that we are on to something that is much bigger, because it's not just the state, it's the state plus Predator. Nicolas had found proof that Anasis Koukakis was under surveillance, by the National Intelligence Agency, while another journalist had established that Anasis had had software called Predator installed on his phone. Designed by a private company, as its name suggests, Predator is a highly invasive spyware that infiltrates a device through a link in an SMS message. It then gains access to its microphone and camera and all its data, all of this while the user is completely unaware. So now, in early 2022, Stavros and Thanasis both knew they'd been under surveillance by the Greek National Intelligence Agency. Thanasis also knew that someone had installed an advanced new spyware on his phone. 
and this made some of those closest to the story, including Nicolas, begin to ask if the two were connected. Was the National Intelligence Agency using Predator? We were already investigating the story for some months and always when we were talking to sources on background or off the record, they were always citing the name of Dimitriadis. You need to understand that this guy at this point was extremely powerful. It's not only that he was the nephew of the prime minister and that he was the general secretary of the prime minister. He was basically, as one big newspaper called him, the gatekeeper of the government. Every big deal was uh, being dealt by him. So we started sending him questions very early on, and gradually we were able to collect enough information not to allege that he was the mastermind of the case, but at least to show that there is evidence, that there are strong indications that link him to important people, to the two main businessmen that were implicated in the spy war scandal in Greece. This was explosive. As general secretary to the prime minister, Grigoris Dimitriadis also oversaw the Greek National Intelligence Agency. This was very newsworthy and very important to publish. Around the same days, there's big news on the story because it's being revealed that the leader of the opposition was also spied. Our story was published on August 4 about Dimitriadis. Next day, he quit from his position and he sued us for defamation. And that's pretty much where we are now. Grigoris Dimitriadis has asked for more than half a million euros. A few days after I spoke to Nicolas, the defamation case was heard in a court in Athens. Lots of journalists showed up to demonstrate their concerns about the legal action, what many of them call a slap, a strategic lawsuit against public participation, which means a lawsuit which is designed to be costly and time-consuming and prevent people publishing stories. We asked Mr. Dimitriadis about the case and whether he had a response to the claims against him. He told us that his role in overseeing the National Intelligence Agency was limited to strategic decisions and that he had no knowledge of the legal surveillance against Stavros and Thanasis. As for Predator, he said, The Greek government never obtained Predator or any surveillance software of such kind. And of course, I did not have any knowledge of or involvement with its use by anyone. And pointed out that nothing has emerged from the ongoing judicial investigations to undermine this. He denies having any business relationship with either of the men who were allegedly trading Predator. He said, taking legal actions against Nicolas, Thanasis and the others, who he said have abused their influence on the people, is the only way he can react to what he called an attempt of character assassination. The court is expected to publish its ruling sometime in the next few months. But whatever happens to the legal action, there are still big questions left unresolved about why Thanasis was under surveillance by the intelligence agency and about who was using Predator. I put those questions to Pavlos Marinakis, a deputy minister and spokesman for the Greek government. He asked to speak in Greek, so his words 
are voiced by an actor. Look, in Greece there is a separation of powers. The case of legal surveillance is currently under investigation by the justice authorities, so it would be wrong on the part of the government to make any comment. After what happened, we passed a new law, which tightens the whole process and puts in more safeguards. I asked the minister why the government changed the law to prevent people finding out if they are under surveillance. Remember, this change happened immediately after Thanasis complained. The legal framework, both in terms of information and in terms of the reasons that the competent authority can proceed with in a legal surveillance, was tightened. I think that this whole process works now, the filters that exist and the safeguards that exist. The government and every government must strike a balance between the protection of citizens' rights and the protection of national security. I asked whether the National Intelligence Agency had ever used Predator. From the first moment it has been clear that the Prime Minister had no involvement in this case. The reality is, despite the slanderous reports that started on the first day of this story, that nothing like this has ever been proven. And he went on to emphasise his government's record on protecting journalists' rights. We have voted for much fairer regulation with much greater transparency about media ownership. And I will also tell you something that you may not know. Greece right now is a country with more media than ever before, both print and digital, and it's worth looking at newspaper front pages. Apart from the fact that there are headlines that strongly criticise the government, which is most of them, that's what you get in a democracy, there are often headlines which insult officials of the government. I believe that in our country there is no issue of freedom of the press. He's right. There are lots of newspapers in Greece, lots of different views. But it's more complicated than that, as Nicolas makes clear. There is a huge media crisis in Greece because those media did not want to do the difficult stories or because those media were so much connected to political and business power that they had almost totally lost their grasp of reality of what is happening in the country. You're listening to Reporting Greece from BBC World Service. I'm Nikos Papanikolaou in Athens, Greece. I'm here because this country has slid down the league table of media freedom. The Reporters Without Borders 2023 World Press Freedom Index ranked Greece 107th, the lowest rank EU country behind Qatar and Thailand. Part of that rating was because of a spying and surveillance scandal, which is still playing out. But that's not the only worrying development for journalists here. I am Staff Alexander Karaevas. I am partner of George Karaevas. As you can hear, Stafa speaks good English, but she has to speak to me in Greek because the story she's about to tell is so personal and painful. Her words are spoken by an actor. It was like every other morning of the week, like every Friday. We were anxiously waiting for the weekend to come. It was also special because we bought our son's car and we were waiting happily. Stafa is remembering a quiet Friday morning in April 2021. She was at home with her son, Dimitris. We were sitting where we're sitting now. I was sitting on the sofa along with our son and we were watching TV. It was the day the Queen's husband died. At the same time, my phone rang. It was a friend who asked me, how are you? I said, I'm good. She asked me, haven't you heard anything? Where are you? I said, at home. 
I asked, what's going on? She tells me, there are shots being fired here in the park. I'm taking pictures for your husband. She wanted to give George exclusive pictures. At the time she's telling me this, I have a second line on my phone, and it's a close friend of ours who's a police officer. I pick it up, and he asks if we're okay, if George is okay. This is when I realise that something bad has happened to George. I told Demetrius that Dad was hit. I was searching for my shoes to get downstairs. I was so stressed I couldn't find my shoes. I went downstairs, and here, 20 metres away, there were police cars, police bicycles, and a lot of police officers. George was on the left side of the park, lying on his face, and on the right side from the park was the ambulance with the doors open. At that time, I was asking everyone why the ambulance is not taking him. The officers were trying to hold me back so I wouldn't get close to him. And suddenly, I realised that George was gone. At the same time, Demetrius had also come downstairs. He grabbed his head and said to me, Mom, tell me it's not Dad. And I told him, My love, it's Dad. It's only the two of us left now. Dad is gone. After George's murder, my world was shattered, and suddenly what I felt was like living in ruins. George Karivas specialized in covering crime, including organized crime. Speaking to me with her husband's portrait hanging on the wall of her sitting room, Statha is clearly still devastated by his murder, just a short distance from her apartment. But she believes the implications go much further. It's the murder of the press in Greece, not the end of the press, but a blow to the freedom of the press in the country. Yes, I believe it was done to scare the rest of them too, because George was a bit more intense than everyone else. It was a typical message. Stop it, because you'll get this in the end. Everyone I spoke to in Athens talked about this murder and speculated about why it remains unsolved. In 2023, two men were arrested on suspicion of killing George, but some people ask, if this was a conspiracy, what about the people who plotted it? Pavlos, the minister, told me that he completely shares Stathos frustration and he hopes the case will be solved as soon as possible. But this combination of stories has seen concerns raised elsewhere, including the European Parliament. One of the most prominent critics there is a Dutch member, Sophie Intveld. She is especially interested in the investigations into these problems. There were two independent oversight bodies, one the Data Protection Authority and the other one which is exercising oversight over telecommunications, including the activity of the the secret services. And they identified a list of 92 targets of spyware and they wanted to compare it to the list of persons who have been under surveillance by the APE, by the secret services, because there seems to be a remarkable overlap. And that would have been very strong evidence that there is involvement of the government or the prime minister's office. And the moment they asked the cross-check of those two lists, the board of those oversight bodies was replaced and the case was handed to another prosecutor and it probably ended up in a bottom drawer somewhere. 
Sophie recently spoke in a debate in the European Parliament called The Rule of Law and Media Freedom in Greece, and the Parliament passed a motion sharply criticizing the Greek government. She raised the question of removing EU funding from Greece over these problems. I asked her if she really believes the EU should use that tool. I don't know if it's a tool to intervene, but it's the other way around. Countries have to qualify for this funding. And I think that you can raise very justifiable question marks over whether Greece still qualifies for all the funding. I mean, there are different funds. You cannot say that 100% of the funding will be cut. But yes, I think that we have arrived at the moment where this connection has to be made. Sophie emphasized that some of these problems predate the current Greek government. But many MEPs from Greece's ruling party were furious about the kinds of comparisons she was making, and especially that call for Greece's EU funding to be reduced. My name is Stelios Kimpouropoulos. I'm a member of the European Parliament. I asked Stelios about Sophie's argument that now is the time to hold money back from Greece. It's ridiculous. This person and many others, they cannot accept that Greece has a government which was re-elected in June 2023 with a significant majority. They cannot accept that the Mitsotakis government has tightened its legislation by prohibiting the use and the acquisition of power, they cannot accept that Greece is a total democratic state. Greece follows the rules. We know that Greece is pro-European, respect the values of the European Union. But the European Parliament isn't the only European body which has something to say about values and about developments in Greece. Earlier, we had the story of journalist Thanasis Koukakis and how the Greek government changed the law, making it impossible for him to find out if he had been under surveillance. We heard that he'd filed a legal case, and he brought me up to date with the very latest developments. The European Court of Human Rights opened a file about my case, and right now I can reveal to you that a week ago the European Court of Human Rights came back to us to my lawyer, and they propose us, the Greek Republic, to compensate me 8,500 euros and to set this uh, confrontation out of the court. And uh, meaning, by this first ruling, they recognize that something wrong had happened from the side of the Greek Republic. Okay, we are going to follow all the regular procedures in order to have a final judicial ruling from the European Court of Human Rights. We are very confident that this will happen inside 2024. And of course, we are confident that the court will rule that the Greek Republic, by amending the law, violate my personal rights. And that was wrong. Pavlos, the Greek minister, said he couldn't comment on that legal action. And if Thanasis does get a full judicial ruling, we don't know what it will say. But as he chatted to me, 
he certainly seemed confident that our ruling could make a turning point for media freedom in Greece. Thanks for listening to Reporting Greece from BBC World Service, presented by me, Nikos Papanikolaou, and produced by Charles Edwards. Who were the Black 14? 14 football players who were at University of Wyoming in 1969. 14 student athletes who paid a heavy price for planning a show of support against racism. It hit the campus like wildfire. Some of them was getting death threats. Amazing sports stories from the BBC World Service tells their story. It was a complete surprise that he kicked us off the team. What are we going to do with our lives? How are we going to get our degrees? Search for Amazing Sports Stories wherever you get your BBC podcasts. In a world that doesn't pause, catching up isn't enough. The Financial Times keeps you one step ahead in your life and career. With breaking news, detailed analysis, and a deep understanding of the global economy. Don't just keep pace, set the pace. Fearlessly Pink. The Financial Times. Read more at ft.com slash fearless. Leute, habt ihr Bock darauf, eure Versicherung in den Griff zu kriegen und dafür 30 Euro Shoppinggutschein abzustauben? Hier ist übrigens Tara vom Podcast Tara sagt was und ich sage euch, ladet euch die Clark-App runter und nutzt bei der Anmeldung mein Code Tara sagt Clark. Alles groß und zusammengeschrieben. Da kriegt ihr nicht nur eure Verträge gecheckt, sondern ihr könnt euch auch kostenlos und unabhängig von den Expertinnen beraten lassen. Also probiert Clark aus und holt euch den 30 Euro Shoppinggutschein für Ikea, Amazon und Co. mit dem Code Tara sagt Clark. Musik